This is Radio Influence. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Sitting Ringside. My name is David Penzer, and I am so happy that you are here once again to listen to this thing we call a podcast. I want to give a quick shout-out uh, to the uh, Nightheart family, Natty and TJ Wilson and, and uh, mom and the sister. Uh, want to uh, pay tribute to Jim the Anvil Nightheart, who passed away last week and uh, at a young age. Uh, what a fun guy to be around. You know, I'm sure by this time you've, uh, you know, if you follow wrestling on the internet or on social media, you've heard plenty of Jim Neidhart stories, but, uh, uh, tough as nails, but a fun guy and, uh, never had, never had bad thing, never had any bad interaction with him. And I can't say that about a lot of guys, even guys that I was friends with, you know, we'd get in arguments and, uh, have our differences, you know, being, seeing the same people, you know, night after night, week after week, you know, you could get on people's nerves, but Jim was, uh, was one of a kind. And, uh, so, and I've, I've gotten to, I've met and gotten to talk to Natty a little bit. I actually used to book her and, and TJ, uh, uh, 2003. Uh, I used to book them when I had in your face bookings after the XWF. So, but I've gotten to talk to her after a couple of WrestleManias and, and, uh, TJ is great, great guy. And, uh, so I just want to send that family uh, uh, condolences and uh, just uh, have you guys in my thoughts. And uh, uh, rest in peace, Jim Neidhart. Uh, what a great guy. And uh, he will be missed. Ladies and gentlemen, this week, uh, we're going to bring him on here pretty quick because we got a lot of questions to ask. This was one of the hardest. You know, I get a bunch of topics and I, I try to narrow them down. I try not to ask questions that been answered a million times on a million other different platforms. And uh, this was the hardest one to nail down because really this person's done a lot, uh, a lot of things, a lot of uh, cr- things that he's created, a lot of, uh, a lot of situations that have uh, controversy attached to them in one way or another. Uh, so, um, so want to bring him right on and uh, not waste any time. So without further ado, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my guest this week. He is a WWE Hall of Famer and the owner of Global Force Wrestling, the founder of TNA, and he is my friend. Please welcome Jeff Jarrett. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as we've been promising, we are honored this week to have on City Ringside. He's been here before in short spurts just to tell a story or two, but he's going to give us the full Monty uh to talk about his career today and i gotta say that <laughs> what a career it was we've done this is now the 58th episode of city ringside and and it, i've never found it so hard to, to to take a career and limit it to like 20 or 25 questions before uh he is the founder of tna he is the owner of global force wrestling and a wwe hall of famer ladies and gentlemen double j jeff jared welcome to city ringside buddy hello Dave and you you are so true to form and and you realized uh I've realized that you, you know leopard doesn't change your spots you cannot help yourself and and I know your producer, your producer will back me up you literally just said what a career it was as in past tense as in it's over Penzer some things never change and you certainly won't so welcome 
the sitting ringside with Dave Pinzer <laughs> and Double J. <laughs> Oh man, good to hear your voice, Dave. I'll yeah, same, same here, man. Same here. Uh, so I, I start out, every time I interview a second generation or third generation wrestler, I start out with the same two questions. So uh, that was the easy part. The rest was putting never, all, all the rest of your hijinks uh, in, uh, in, in in on one page of questions. Um, curious, what age that you realized what your dad and I guess what your family did. Gosh, what age? Yeah, how old were you? Oh, man. Um, you know, it, 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 I guess everything is relative, and it, it depends on how deep you want to go. But I can remember uh, living with my mom as a young boy, uh, sitting the way our house was. You you know, as you opened the door, there was a, a very small sitting area and then like a landing for a stairs that went upstairs, and the kitchen was right up to the left. But I can remember uh, sitting on that landing, staring at the front door, uh, waiting, uh, either for my dad, but most of the time it would be somebody that would run by the house and pick me up, uh, to go down to the matches in Nashville. And I lived about, oh, I don't know, 10 minutes, uh, from the Nashville fairgrounds is where I grew up, uh, South side of Nashville. And so that had to have been gosh, 10, 11, 12 years old, maybe you know, around that age, maybe younger than that. One time I went to a TV taping uh, for when Nick Goulas. So that had to have been, I was under 10 because, um, uh, my father and Nick split in six, 76, 77. So, uh, they used to do TV tapings and, uh, Phil Hickerson. I remember it vividly. Phil Hickerson, uh, was, was at the TV tapings, Dennis Condry, um, trying to think who else Tojo was there. Uh, but that goes, and, and me and my older brother sat in the, the, the wrestling audience. So, Gosh, it was under the age of 10 um, or some of my earliest memories, I guess you could say. I remember sitting on my couch uh, watching the David Letterman uh, scenario go down with Jerry Lawler and very fascinated by that. Uh, so those are some of my earliest memories. It's funny you mentioned Nick Goulas. I don't know. I, I know you, you're on Twitter, but I don't know if you saw it. There's actually a picture of that was taken this weekend at a reunion of uh, George Goulas and Bobby Eaton, the old jet set reunited. I don't know if you saw that picture, but I no, I saw I saw a recent picture Friday of George and he shaved his head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but you got to look at the jet set picture because uh, uh, they have a, a, an old one of those two, and then they have the the recent one, and it's a it's a something. Hey, the other question I always ask second generation wrestler, I'm, I'm I, I even think this is more interesting than what age you realize is. What age were you smartened up and by who? Oh, gosh. Um, that was sort of a general uh, set of circumstances. I could remember, um, gosh, I was probably 13, 14 years old, um, sniffing around in my dad's uh, office uh, before I moved in with him when I still lived with my mom. He had some notes uh, on, 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 on the matches and, and, you know, the matches that were taking place like two, two weeks in advance or three weeks in advance. And there was a heel turn or a baby face turn. And you sort of said, okay, he's already got this plan. So that might've been some of, some of my research that I did on my own, <laughs> um, that I, you know, started putting two and two together. Um, but you know, the being around the house and, and the talent would come and do their promos and I wasn't allowed in there, but you know, they're, they're, um, you know, there, there's, there's the, the, the heels and the baby faces, the good guys and the bad guys there at the same time and sure. they're doing promos and you know, you, you, you just sort of start putting things together and, and, and that kind of deal. But man, what a, what a 
God, a, a completely different lifetime, a completely different generation, just how the business was, you know, uh, operated uh, on a day-to-day basis that, that, you know, is very, very close, uh, close-knit community and, and, and uh, you know, a lot of secrets within it. Man, there's a book just talking about that kind of stuff. There's a, there's a whole book there just talking oh, about that kind of stuff with, uh, you know, the heels and the baby faces coming over to your house, cutting promos behind the, the locked door. And uh, that's that's tremendous. As a wrestling fan, that's like every wrestling fan's dream is to to live in that house. Did you did you realize uh, I know you had mentioned uh, recently that out of five siblings, you were the only one who got the bug. Did you realize how lucky you were that that your dad ran the place? I, you know, and, and, and Cornette has always said it best. It's either the greatest thing that ever happened to me or the worst thing that ever happened to me getting into business. I kind of think, it, you know, obviously it's, it's, it, I've been blessed. Uh, like you, you, you call it luck. I call it blessed. Uh, I'm very grateful for the opportunity, but, but, you know, at early age, I can remember, uh, God, w- watching the Hulk Hogan, uh, intro piece video on, old three quarter inch tapes, you know, I don't even know if you know what a three quarter inch is, but yeah, but, but it's a, it's a big block tape. It's much bigger than a VHS tape and half your audience doesn't even know what a VHS is. (laughs) God, I'm I'm going through generations about generations, but no, uh, the big machines and, and watching intro tapes and, and just, I I love that. The, the moon, the original moon dog video, if people want to Google that or YouTube that, um, out in a, it was a swamp, and that swamp uh, was uh, literally about 100 yards from our back door, and it was, uh, it was a drain pond. But in the summers, it would dry up. But as that would dry up, um, it you know, a ton of algae on it. So uh, those guys got out in there, and and they that's where the Moondogs were created. Kamala was created uh, on another part of the back farm. Um, a guy named Tapu uh, was in front of a big fiery deal, and that was off of a just all kind of vignettes that were produced around and, and the fabs and gosh, uh, shoot the, the bill Dundee, uh, just all kind of vi- music videos done back in the day. So it was really cool. I, I, I was always really, really mesmerized by that side of it, but I, you know, like going from town to town and I agree, Dave, what you say, you know, I don't know if it's a book, but man, the, the stories of kayfabe and, and Tojo, you know, only grocery shopping late at night because um, he didn't want to be around fans and, 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 you know, he wanted to, you know, have his quiet time and, and, and the, the heels and the baby faces riding in separate cars and, and, you know, guys in the Bill Watts territory and other territories around getting fired uh, for riding to work with the wrong group. Uh, just all that kind of stuff and how the business operated was so, man, it was just, it's just, it's a different, it's a different generation, a different era, but like a lot of other things. I mean, you know, Bill Russell was a player coach for the Boston Celtics, uh, you know, many moons ago. So sure. just the, 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 the uh, we all have, have evolved and, and adapted and changed, but uh, yeah, the, 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 the wrestling business of the 60s, 70s and 80s um, is drastically different than what it is now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm still mesmerized by all these stories about all these uh, uh, promos that were cut on your property. That's super cool stuff. We had never talked about that, and we've talked about a lot of stuff. Um, I want to talk to you. Okay, I, and literally th- those kind of stories that that when you when you again, yeah, I'll say I was lucky. When you sit on a 14, 15, 16, 17 year old kid or the younger that, and you sort of watch it from that perspective, but then you see it air on TV on right. Saturday morning, 
And then you go from that when you go to the Louisville, Kentucky on Tuesday, Evansville on Wednesday, Nashville on a Saturday, Mid-South Coliseum Monday, uh, uh, you know, uh, in Memphis on Monday. When you see all that and you see, you know, oh, my gosh, you hear them talk, oh, all right, the, the house, the gross dollar amount is up X amount of dollars. Open it down and you go, okay, you hear that conversation on why something's up, why it's down. Um, it, it, it is an education that literally I don't think you can put a price on uh, this day and age because, you know, over the years it's gone from the houses up or down and then you look at buy rates up or down and ratings up or down and now you've got all the different metrics of social media data, um, you know, ratings data, uh, plus three, uh, you know, plus seven. When you're watching the show, the ratings come in. Uh, you you just you know all the all the barometers and all the metrics that have been used over the years and merch sales and who's selling what and what price point just every all the data and and I think that's that's a that's a that's a big part of why my brain is 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 a is a data junkie I love to sort of get all that in and and now when you look at Ring of Honor and 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 gosh, MLW and all the promotions in the UK and Australia, and then obviously WWE and Raw and SmackDown and NXT. You just look at all the massive amount of research and WWE's publicly traded company. It's really, really cool from an old, I'll call it an old school wrestling fan, um, which I am turned into a wrestler, turned into a promoter. It's really cool to see how things have evolved. Not to mention, it must have been cool going to the arenas when you were a kid and hearing the fans going, "Oh, did you see that video from uh, from Africa?" And you're you're thinking, <laughs> you're thinking, "Yeah, that's my backyard." But uh, oh. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So, I want to jump to your first WWF run. Like I said, there's so much to talk about, and I know your time is limited. I- I'm going to shock you. I think I already told you this, but uh, I I didn't want to let the cat out of the bag, but. I know you recently did a spoken word tour of the UK and it was broadcast on fight TV for this interview. I actually not only watched it, I bought it. No way. I know that's a lot. No, I did. I'll show no. Hey, Hey, if Wait. you could get Weber to give me a, a, re- a refund, Hey, I'll... <laughs> well, let's, let's get it clear. You were probably in the room when it was purchased, but Dave, I got to tell you, man to man, uh, that doesn't count as you buying it. Whose credit card did you use? It went that on, person actually bought it. It went on my debit card. I'll, fo- hey, I'll forward you the record. But uh, so I, there is no possible way that Dave Penzer I know spent ten bucks. Now you, oh well, who in the room gave you ten dollars in cash? Because there's some loophole in this. There's, I know the, the Dave Penzer <laughs> I know <laughs> did not actually take ten dollars out of wages that he's earned and bought that. There's no way. Oh. There's no way. Well, hell just froze over, Jeff, because I swear to God, I'm my kid. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. Man. I know you are. Um, so you mentioned on that on that uh, tour on that on the uh, bit. What would you call that? Spit it. It's spoken word tour. The eighty great tour. The eighty great tour. You mentioned that um, you thought, and I agree with you actually. In hindsight, that they rushed what you called the Milli Vanilli storyline, which for those who didn't. Watch uh, the the spoken word tour uh, on fight, and it's still on there. You could get it on demand because I watched it this weekend. Um, was was the fact that uh, you were uh, that that uh, Brian James sang the song, and you were lip syncing it, taking all the credit. And and I agree with you that uh, that that they wanted to do it way too early, uh, in my opinion. But what was the reason that you were given of why they wanted to pull the plug on that so early? 
I was never given one. Um, and, you know, again, I'll respectfully say that they, they have the right and will always have the right. I've, I've been in, uh, you know, b- both, both sets of shoes. That they didn't have to give me a reason, although I do believe that would have helped drastically. But I wasn't given a reason. I, I wasn't even given really a half of an explanation. It's we're doing it. Um, and, you know, if, if, if those who heard it, uh, you know, the explanation earlier, I don't want to be repetitive. Uh, but, but Dave, you've got some, uh, a lot of people that listen to your podcast, I'm sure that hadn't heard it, but no, that if you want to give a little background, I just, I felt that the foundation of the double J character was this, uh, uh, this guy who could uh, have a decent ability in the ring. He could back up what he was saying. Uh, but the sort of the foundation of the double J character is that I was a country music singer that was going to take over the double J WWF and rename it the double J up. But the foundation of that character was a singer and one song out of the box and then sort of pull the rug out from under it. Um, you know, Lord knows Brian has been, it's still to this day, but he was been, God gave him a gift to sing. He didn't give that exam, you know, can I sing? Yes. Can I sing like Brian? Absolutely not. Not even close. And so, uh, you know, it, it wasn't the fact that, 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 that I didn't like the storyline. I just felt it was uh, rushed uh, in a big way. I, I agree with you, and interesting that you weren't given a reason. Um, but at the end, you and Brian didn't do it. You were supposed to do the angle uh, at the pay-per-view, and after the match was done, you guys just walked out. I think you walked to your car, went home. I'm wondering, uh, I agree with you that let, let's say that everybody in the situation would agree that it was too, in hindsight, it was it was too early to do it. What was your thought process by just walking out? Do you think you could go somewhere else? And, and do it and, and keep it going for another year or two? Or uh, was it just, uh, you know, at that point, it was you're going to put, put your foot down? You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So do I have this magical ball? But at the time, if I recall, I wanted to just completely, uh, maybe not uh, pump the brakes, because uh, I think I've said that in past interviews, but I wanted to slam on the brakes and maybe not change roads, maybe not even change lanes, just slow the complete process down and, and hopefully cooler heads prevail or uh, things could uh, maybe get back on track. I just, I knew once we pulled the trigger that night that there was sort of the point of no return. And, you know, I, I didn't want to go there. So uh, I went home and Brian said, I'm with you. I'll do whatever you want. I said, Brian, you got to make your own decision. And he said, I am. And there was other stuff going on behind the scenes uh, as it relates to Brian and his relationship and his contractual situation and everything that went with it. Um, that, that, you know, he had to make his own decision, but he did. And we left together. Uh, and it's obviously been very, very well documented, but, uh, it's not like I want to, to rewrite or, or, or completely change the storyline. I just wanted to slam the brakes on it and, and, and pump them for a minute and see what might transpire out of it. Do you think in, do you think in the back of your mind, knowing your dad owned a wrestling territory that you could go back and work might've you know, giving you the comfort to do that? Or do you think you would have done it even if you had nothing to fall back on? Oh, well, you have to take into account all of that. That that, that goes without saying that, you know, this is uh, 95. The territory was still going. Um, uh, the, 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 you know, it was 95. The, the territory was still going. Um, Japan was an option. Um, you know, Puerto Rico was still running. Um, you know, there, there was wrestling outside of, uh, beside WCW. I want to make sure I'm clear on that. You know, there was multiple options 
And, and that's just in the wrestling business on the uh, family business side of things. Uh, my dad had, had looked at different things and, and he had started, um, uh, developing road water and sewer, uh, basically, you know, doing different things. And I knew, okay, um, I, I never finished college and I, I knew that was semi in the back of my head, but probably first and foremost. And I did do this. I used that time cause I knew I was in a contract, uh, freeze. Uh, I went and got my contractor's license. Uh, I became a contractor during that time cause I knew I had time that I wasn't doing anything um, you know, during the days for the foreseeable future. And I studied up and, and went out and got my contractor's license during that time. Wow. I didn't know that. Uh, so you jumped to WCW for a year at, at, in 1995. If, if And that's when I met the illustrious, wonderful <laughs> David Pinzer. Yes. <laughs> was that purely a money decision? Uh, was that a get back at Vince decision? Uh, was that a WCW's hot I want in decision? That was a hundred percent. I want to continue uh, Jeff Jarrett's career. You know, I I I I knew as well as anybody sort of where the Double J character was at when I when I left. Um, I I knew that, and you got you know where you're leaving out a little bit in the history. I know you're not doing it on purpose, but you know I went back for a little bit, and I knew it was going south. Uh, so in October of '96, I knew I was going to have an opportunity. NWO had gone off. It had taken off. I knew that there was a lot of equity still on the Double J character, which was the WWF character. Obviously, Diesel and Razor and the Hulkster and and a few others had headed south. So I knew that there was, uh, you know, a real potential there, uh, a, a, without question, a real potential there. And so I wanted to take, uh, you know, Jeff is my Jeff Jarrett's my God given name. I knew I could use that name, um, didn't have to, you know, back in those days and you were around it. It was so odd that, you know, you had, uh, gosh, you know, Brutus the Barber and whatever his name was at WCW. But you had different guys that had to jump ship that, that some had to completely abandon their characters. Others, you know, Razor Ramon played Scott Hall, but, but you know, Razor Ramon is and was Scott Hall. Uh, so, so. I knew that I had Jeff Jarrett and, and, and wanted just to continue my career. That's really the only agenda I had. Actually, you know, you talk about that and people having to change their names. One of the, as I, as I look back, one of the, and I didn't have this written down or anything, but I'm just thinking back. One of the funniest uh, kind of uh, reverse ribs was when Virgil came over and they called him Vincent. Yep. Because they had named him Virgil as a rib on Dusty. And then they came and they named him Vincent as a rib on uh, uh, Vince. So his whole career is basically a rib on, on important people. And I haven't even thought about that. I need to get him on and ask him, ask him if he realizes that. Well, I knew, uh, I knew Virgil as soul train Jones. He's another guy that came down to Tennessee. Uh, he was from the Pittsburgh area. He, he came down here and had a run and, and, and old Mike Jones. Uh, I've always gotten along with him from day one. What a character. And, um, and I know we'll get to StarCast in a little while, but have you heard what he's trying to do at StarCast? No, is he setting up outside or something? Oh, my God. That guy is – he's something else, man. He, he is – he is – he is something else. He's contacted the city of Schaumburg or, or something. Um, it's bizarre, man. I mean, uh, I mean <laughs> when I heard it, because I don't know if you uh, – you follow me on Twitter, but with me and Conrad and fight guys and, and a couple of production teams, um, we're up in Chicago 
uh, and and doing a site survey and, and walking through some things and and the, the the people at the hotel were politely asking and I just like when I heard what came out of your mouth I took a couple of steps and walked off and I'm like did I hear what I think because I know who Mike Jones is um, but anyway you know food permit food permits and I mean <laughs> the guy is something else. Hey, we did a Legends of Wrestling show in um, in uh, uh, City Field a couple of years ago with Goldberg and a whole bunch of names. And um, uh, Mike had driven to New York City and asked Brian Nobbs, uh, you know, who's in charge, uh, if he could come in. And, of course, he said, yeah, but you can't sell anything because, they, you know, once you bought a ticket for a certain, you know, meet and greet, that was, you know, the pictures and all that uh, were included. So, of course, Mike Jones sets up in the in the corner, and next thing you know, He's selling uh, $20 for a picture with the Intercontinental belt. He's selling, you know, photo, 40, 42 different photos of him and DiBiase together with DiBiase already signed, and he ran off the photos of DiBiase's signature so that he could sign them. And we had to, we had to go over there and shut him down. And he didn't, he didn't even leave. He didn't leave easily. He didn't want to go. So he just he comes and sets up, and uh, uh, good luck getting rid of him at StarCast. If, uh, <laughs> but, but, but I mean, think, uh, we're, I know we're getting off track here. Think about that. He, he he has literally contacted the city of Schaumburg, Illinois, to get a a uh, whatever uh, uh, permit. permit permit. Yeah, a permit. Um, I got to sort of give him props on the one yeah. hand, and on the, 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 on the other hand, I'm like, dude. <laughs> I just I was speechless when I heard it come out of the the, the hotel executive's mouth. But yeah, you got to right. you got to give him a little bit of props, though. Seriously, I mean, you know, hijacking an event at at, at City Field is one thing, but permits is a whole nother level. So it's a, it's it's a completely whole nother level. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, ODB food truck up there, and I started joking, and I said, I, I just wonder if, if he's going to be doing his. Um, Whatever his meat sauce. <laughs> oh, Dave, let's keep moving. Uh, so you went back to you, you spent a year as a horseman, and then not a horseman, and then you went back to WWF. I'm not sure if they were WWE at the time. Um, WWF. I've only worked for the WWF, uh, quote unquote. But no, they they did that. Uh, 2000. Oh gosh, we're gonna get slammed for this. 2002 ish, 2003. Um, so uh, you you were uh, teaming at one point, and were I know you were riding up and down the roads with Owen Hart, who was one of your best friends. And um, you mentioned on the fight uh, show that you never processed Owen's death until uh, you were in treatment recently. So I'm wondering how, because man, there's so much to process in this business. With the, you know, I'm still processing the Benoit thing, you know, because I knew him like no, like few people knew him. Grunge did, and regal but not you know the ones who lived around them knew them a different way how do you finally come to grips mentally with with the, the tragedy that happened to owen well uh diplomatically i'll say it's pretty hard to segue from virgil to this situation the, you know the, i didn't the, i didn't expect to get in in, in the virgil so. <laughs> but, but i think now, i get a pass know, yeah and i and i'll you know if if, if you want to if people want, want to know more about this situation um you know, I went into detail. I told my host, Kenny McIntosh, uh, I had four shows over there. Um, we had talked about it a little bit, and he said, hey, I, uh, I kind of don't want to ask you this, uh, and I'm not going to ask you this every night, but I'd like to sort of go into it. 
um, on on the fight show. It's recorded. It'll be, uh, and I'm like, yeah, I, I said uh, I'm fine. So I went into it pretty detailed. Um, but but I'll, I'll I'll say this, and 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 because I do want to be a a, a good uh, good guest for you, Dave. And so your question is, how do you finally process it? I think it's it's sort of. I don't think that's your question, right, Dave? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and and I'll I'll be real top line about this. It, it, but I, I but I hope someone out there is listening uh, that that may have trouble um, sort of processing things because we we do we we all go through death or 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 tragic situations or whatever it may be. Uh, and I, I again, like I said, I went into detail. But you know, when you when you go from uh, a, a, a fun natured live event on a Saturday uh, to the passing on a Sunday to work on Monday, Tuesday, wake, uh, funeral, back to work all in seven days, and then you sort of move on because life happens and litigation begins, and you know, you you have all the the, the you know you, you have an entire scenario that continues to build with. With all, everything, you know, just, uh, just you were there. You, you, you were in the industry then. You know, just layer upon layer upon yeah. layer upon layer. Um, you know, I chose to just zip it uh, and went on about and and put my nose to the grindstone and went back to work and and went back to dealing with 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 life, whether it's family, friends, kids, whatever it may be. I never discussed it, and uh, and and I will be the first to tell you that's the absolute wrong. So. You know, you you just referenced Benoit, uh, a completely completely different set of circumstances, right. but still tragic nonetheless. Um, you know, lives were lost um, in a in a horrible, horrific way. Uh, no comparison, no. but 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 lives were lost on, on both scenarios. Uh, but but you know, the, the only way is, is is to talk about it. Talk about somebody that you trust. Uh, and it doesn't have to be one person, but but continuing discussion, talk about it, talk about how it makes you feel, how it doesn't make you feel, why you don't want to talk about it, why you do want to talk about it. But, you you know, the whole process and, and the definition uh, in the dictionary process is, is, is when you look at Webster's Dictionary, it really spells out what 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 one of the definitions of process is. And that is, you know, a processing situation. It, it's really it's analyzing and just walking through the steps. And if you got to go back and live it and react it and think about it. Uh, but, but that is something that, that I believe uh, is healthy for everybody is, is completely process. And if need be continue to process it. Uh, and I think that's the healthy way to do it as opposed to the other way and not talk about it. Yeah. And as you said, in the wrestling business, it's really hard because you got to keep going. <laughs> There's no, yeah. you, don't, you don't get a month off of, you know, to grieve really. Uh, you got to keep going. So it's really hard, but uh, I agree. So a lot's been said, and you've told the story a million times of the quote unquote, holding Vince up uh, at no mercy. Um, I, I don't want to go through the whole story again, but uh, you know, you, you, you I, I think in a nutshell, you wanted the money that you thought you were owed that you didn't know that you were going to, if you were going to get uh, for past uh, shows that you had did and merchandise and pay-per-view numbers. And you came up with a number, and Vince handed you a check, and you went out and dropped the belt to China. If y'all hadn't agreed, and if he hadn't handed you that check, what was Jeff Jarrett going to do that night? I, I mean, and, and and you know, you, you're probably better off getting the the side of the story from from Jr. because it was a one on one conversation I had with him. Um, I I made it clear 
um, you know, it was let's uh, now again, I, I would have had to been faced with that situation. Um, but, but I knew that I wasn't under contract and they didn't have to peer pay me a penny, not one cent contractually, nothing. Uh, and they could have just as easily told me to go home. Um, that, that, that's, that's why, you know, even though you've heard the podcast, you've heard the stories, you still wanted to use the phrase, hold Vince McMahon up. That still to this day is the most ridiculous (laughs) phrase that I've ever heard. And you still have not given me the answer. Did I hold him up with a guy, with a knife, a forty-five, a shotgun? What, what was the actual weapon? Because you're already alluding held up is 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 by force. So what ap- weapon did I actually use to hold him up? Do you know that yet? Well, I guess if the, if if you're going to go with that theory that you held him up, though, you you held him up with a, his championship belt that he wanted back and he wanted you to drop. Okay, so I held him up. I, so that's what I'm asking you. Would you have done that? That's what that's what I'm that's what I'm asking you. Would you have actually done it, or would you have gone out and dropped the belt? Because if you'd have gone out and dropped the belt anyway, and then let it litigate down the road or something like that, then you didn't hold them up at all. No, I guess I would have had to been faced with that, and for me to uh, give you an answer, that's 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 something that I I steer clear of because it's a hypothetical. But answer. I love hypotheticals, that's- Jeff. Well, that's you, you. You can love it all you want. That doesn't necessarily mean I have to engage in it. I but know. I will. Hats off. That's a good question. Uh, but I, I think it's a hypothetical answer because until I was faced with it, or they were faced with it, uh, we'll never know. Okay. So WCW Part Two. Looking back and, on it, and again, here it comes. Uh, I walk in the door, and and one face that greets me at every show. Uh, Dave, me and you had a lot coming. That second run, I I made every show, and you did too. <laughs> yep, we did, and uh, I don't regret it. I uh, oh, me neither. You never go on to give somebody else a chance to take your spot, uh, especially when you're the ring announcer. And you know, look, you're you're Jeff Jarrett, and you have a name, and you have a talent that a lot of people can't do. I I, I guess one could say a ring announcer has talent people can't do, but there's a lot of them out there, and and it's not nearly as important as as the as the, the talent in the ring. So I, I had to stick around and by, by sticking around, by ensuring I was sticking around, I just always was there. So if, if you're never not there, they can't, they can't miss you or not miss you. Folks, now that SummerSlam is in the books with all in right around the corner and Hell in a Cell coming up September 16th from San Antonio, Texas. The best way to watch all these shows is through Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats offers great prices for all wrestling events, from WWE pay-per-views like Hell in a Cell to SmackDown and Raw to any shows like All In. And don't forget the New Japan Ring of Honor sold-out Madison Square Garden Super Show in 2019. For a limited time, Vivid Seats is giving City Ringside listeners 10% off your first order. All you need to do is enter promo code RINGSIDE at checkout. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime, and all Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. Go to VividSeats.com or download the app like I did, and in addition to professional wrestling tickets, Vivid Seats could help you get to the concert, football game, baseball game, or show of your choice. We all enjoy watching wrestling on TV, of course, but nothing beats being there in person. Take it from me. So go to Vivid Seats. Use our exclusive promo code RINGSIDE 
to receive 10% off your first order. The offer is good through the end of September. First-time customers only. Don't miss out. Go to VividSeats.com and be at the matches. Looking back, I know that you're uh, that that you were a big Russo and Ferrari guy. Uh, I know that you were. Uh, I don't want to say I know. I think that you were happy when they were booking WCW, and maybe that's one of the reasons you came in. Um, looking back, though, on a scale of one to ten, ten being fantastic, one being drizzling shizits, uh What would you give? And I look. I like Vince. And I'd love Ed Ferrara, so I'm not trying to heal on anybody or give anybody a hard time. It is what it is. What would you give their booking of the first, of WCW in the first six months before Bischoff came back? Uh, again, you, you man, I, and I'm a little bit surprised because you are in the industry, but you almost sound uh, like, like we're in kindergarten class. Let's scale, let's rate this one to ten on a subjective business, Dave. A subjective Business. All right. Do you think they did a good job? <laughs> uh, I believe they did as good a job as they possibly could have because it, it, it do you think? Uh, yes, I do. I think they did a good job as the best they could have. And here's why. Do you think they showed up to work and said, I'm going to really screw this up? I, I, I promise you. Hey, Ed, let's write the worst show we possibly could. No, they wrote the best show they possibly thought they could have. Now, was it under the uh, tutelage and under the machine of not only Vince, but the machine that Vince built? No. And I think that they are not the only ones uh, that, that I found out in 1996 when I went from WWF to WCW, that that animal, there is no comparison in the two of a corporate run organization versus a family run uh, or, or, or not just family run. A, a, a wrestling business run by a wrestling promoter. What a novel concept. Uh, but no, uh, Vince and Ed, um, they worked their butt off. Wasn't for lack of effort. Did they make all the right decisions? Absolutely not. But does any creative person make all the, the, the right decisions? And I'll say this. Maybe the first couple of shows, they had free reign. Um, but, but as, as a corporate world, when you come in the door and you are having to write the show, uh, with an agenda other than let's just write the best show, it's difficult. It, it, it is difficult under so many circumstances. Uh, and, and, and when you don't have a hundred percent backing, uh, of, of like he, like they had with Vince, cause you know, Vince Russo and Ed Farrar can pitch something. And if Vince like it, likes it, there's no wiggle room. We are doing this. Uh, and if talent didn't want to do it, well, then that was between the talent and Vince McMahon, not the talent Vince Russo. So, so the buck stopped with Vince, and I've said it a thousand times, and 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 it's nothing new. That you know, that's the difference. Sure. That 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 is the difference. So, uh, you know, um, th- there there are certainly uh, you know, and I think you said the first six months. There's some definite markers. Uh, in the demos and in the quarter hours that, that they were successful. Uh, but there's, I, I'm sure you can dig up a thousand reasons why they weren't. But at the end of the day, uh, my hat's off to those guys during the time because, you know, they and all of us jumped on a, 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 the Titanic. Uh, and, and I certainly did. And I don't think they did. And a bunch of others had no idea uh, at, at how much disarray the organization was behind the scenes. I don't know. You know, you may have known. Uh, it's a good question for me to ask you. 
but but you know in 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 October of 1999, um, that company didn't even resemble what it was uh, two years later. Yeah, two I, years earlier. Two, two, two years earlier. In, 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 in September of 97 uh, was you know my last show there. To October of 99, the the two organizations to me didn't even resemble each other. Yeah, I I agree, and I you know I think I I. You know, sort of had the feeling in the back of my mind and the knowledge, but I, you know, the Mark in me who, who was living his dream job was hoping that they could get it back on track. Uh, but yeah, you could see that it was going the wrong way for sure. So I've had David Arquette on this podcast. I've had Eric Bischoff on this podcast, and I've so, so, sorry to sorry for those guys. I can't believe you kind of into them. Go ahead. <laughs> so I've argued. Because David Arquette really takes, he thinks he's the one who killed WCW when they gave him the WCW championship. Um, I've already really. Oh, he takes it. You'll see him in a couple of weeks at Starcast. I think he's he's going to be there. Uh, you need to talk to him because he really. I mean, he takes it to heart. He thinks uh, he thinks that it was, it was it was his fault. And so I've argued to both David and and to Eric on this podcast that I don't think that it was even that bad an idea. Uh, you know, it got a ton of publicity. I think you had mentioned it's the first time that David Letterman, only time David Letterman ever mentioned the name Jeff Jarrett on his show. Uh, I got a ton of publicity. It was a fluke win over a heel manager. Uh, so I, I, I'm not saying it was the most brilliant thing to do, and I know it turned a percentage of people off. I don't think it was near as bad as, as people make it. That's just my opinion. That said, what do you think was a worse move? Having Arquette as WCW champion or Vince Russo as WCW champion? God, you're you're learning your trade with the way you're phrasing your question. What is the worst move? So you're assuming that I think both of them are bad moves. No, no, or okay. Uh, how would I rephrase that then? Exactly, you, exactly, you moron. What are you talking about, Panther? <laughs> what is the worst move? Oh, so, okay, so put words I'm in just, my mouth. I'm just assuming that everybody I've talked to says that both of them probably weren't the best move. So I'm just don't, don't play the assume game with me or you'll get dial tone. Well, then moron. I better – I just said – I just threw away my question pad. <laughs> Seriously, no. I just threw it on the ground. I, okay, well, and I, I, I just tell you that, that the Arquette, shouldn't flatter himself if he thinks that's what if if that put wc out of the business uh, you know let, let's uh go down the list of stuff that never happened on on on, on camera uh first class airline tickets that were thrown out the window that you know I, the, the legendary stories of guys that had first class airfare that never went right so so you know when, when you when, when the money was running out the door literally wasted uh i i I would put that way above a subjective wrestling storyline that puts a a company and not any one single decision in my opinion put wcw business not even close it was a collective culture that was created in my opinion that 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 you know that that uh that the drain started circling and all of a sudden it got into that uh, as they call it, a financial death spiral that they never could pull the new nose up in it. You know, it, it, it's it's it, if if they would have created more black ink as opposed to red, red ink, the the business, you know, would not have fundamentally changed in two thousand one. 
it, 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 when they shut the doors, the business drastically changed. I can't disagree with that. So what do you think the better move was? Arquette as WCW champion or Vince Russo as WCW champion? See, now you're flipping it. Now you're assuming I think both of them are good. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> Dave let, let's take them on an individual basis. The Arquette deal by design, and and maybe you can help me out this because I've talked about it several times and, and certainly in the podcast, uh, what would we call the podcast era? I've been asked about it and that kind of stuff on different things. But wasn't it actually Tony Schiavone's idea that th- got thrown out? I don't know the answer to that question. We we could find out. Uh, everybody can find out at Starcast. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, there you go, Starcast. Cheap plug. There you go. But no, um, I think it was brought up in a production meeting. Um, and 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 I'll say this: not this singular idea, but 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 when you have a subjective wrestling program, but you have a, a creative meeting. Uh, I mean, my bad, you have a production meeting disguised and it's in reality a creative meeting. Your culture is screwed up. You know, in my opinion, your culture is screwed up. But in result, um, you know, uh, was it the greatest wrestling move in the world or the greatest storyline? Not at all. But was it the worst? No, but it's subjective. It certainly didn't put them out of business. And it certainly wasn't the absolute worst because it was a celebrity who won on a fluke um maybe the exit strategy uh, i mean the entrance strategy and exit strategy but you know it all made fundamental i hate to use this word but wrestling logic because ready to rumble and arquette and and everything that went with it and and yes he did uh it was a publicity stunt sure uh that you know you you can go back and debate should you do a publicity stunt with the world title that's subjective that's debatable uh, but but the fact of the matter is this, and I've always said things like this. The fact that me and you are still talking about this almost 20 years later <laughs> tells me it wasn't the worst idea ever by any stretch of the imagination, not even remotely close. You are correct. And I'm not trying to look, Jeff, I'm not trying to bust your balls on this stuff. And I know you're playing a little bit, too. But. Uh, we've known each other a long time and, and we've been friends and we've talked a lot up and down the roads about a lot of some of this stuff, but I know this is the one chance that I'm going to have to, to, to sit down at a public forum with Jeff Jarrett, who, like I said, has done so much in this business. And, uh, so I'm, I'm just going to ask some questions and, uh, and, and, uh, I'm not trying to like lead you in a certain direction for sure. This oh, is- you're not. Okay. So anybody out there who listens to this, feel free to chime in at the appropriate time. You're not trying to leave me, but you literally said, out of the two, which is the worst, and then less than, <laughs> less than three minutes later, he said, what was the better decision? If that isn't leading journalism, I don't know what it is. But, but I, I'm going to go ahead and be uh, uh, exhaustively complete here uh, that, that you talked about uh, the Russo thing. Another thing, it, it was shock value, maybe too much for some people's taste, but, but you know, uh, big picture thing. Um, again, uh, shock value, but then you go back into the culture of, you know, if you get shocked four times, uh, every nitro, you're no longer shocked, uh, at all. Uh, so that's, that's, that's another subjective, uh, big picture, uh, decision that was made singularly. Was it the worst idea? No, but, and it certainly didn't put them out of business. 
uh, collectively over over time, over the months, uh, you know, I think the track record speaks for itself because as an organization, ratings went down as opposed to up. Uh, black ink turned to red ink. Uh, and the door was open for a man to come in and get it by pennies on a dollar. And that's exactly what happened. There you go. You're going to love this next question. So in June of 2000, I was working uh, as talent relations, assistant to Terry Taylor in the talent relations department. Terry Taylor came in and instructed me to do what I'm about to tell you I did, which was that on a Thursday, I called Booker T in Houston, Texas, and told him he was winning the WCW World Championship at Bash at the Beach that Sunday and to bring a nice suit for Monday, for Monday Night Show. My question to you is, were you aware in advance that that was the plan? I can assure you that's the first time. You've just made a little history with me. Now I'm going to smack the taste out of your mouth at Starcast uh, for never telling me this. I never knew that. No kidding, Dave. I never knew that side of it. No, I was not told that. That was always the what you know, we could rehash that whole thing and nothing's going to get said because the, you know, the, the lawsuits have gone by and everybody's probably not allowed to say anything anyway. Uh, but, but that was always the thing in the back of my mind that, 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 that you know, it, knowing that little tidbit of information in the back of my mind, always whatever story you chose to believe, whether it was Vince's, whether it was Hulk's, whether it was Eric's, a combination of all three or none, the, the fact that I knew that I had called him always didn't make sense to me. So uh, I just thought I'd ask you that question. Uh, let's talk about real quickly the last night show. Go ahead. And, 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 and real quickly, the, the fact that you gloss over it, don't you think that is a a integral piece of the entire story? Yeah, I do. I do. So, so knowing that, so let's so let's uh, explore it then. Knowing what you what you know now, what I just told you, uh, has it changed your thought process of what you were made to believe went on that night? It, it certainly puts a, compl- uh, a complete, I don't want to be too over, over dramatic here, but no, it puts a whole nother slice in there in that um, the, the Hogan, uh, it's not really the Hogan, the whole, the, the, I'll say the day of events. Uh, certainly uh, could have gone a couple of different ways. And, and, and I get, I'll, I'll, I'll soak it in that you were a soldier telling another soldier and I was a soldier being told another thing. So there was a lot of pieces of the puzzle and it all came down to creative control as we all know that. But it's a, it's a different little slant on things that I think makes uh, for, for, for fun discussion at this stage of the game. I thought it would. So the last Nitro, uh, everybody yes. remembers Vincent McMahon. Vince McMahon took a shot at you with the D-O-N-N-E. Uh, what was going through your mind? Did you think it was funny? Did you think, holy crap, I, I really pissed him off? Did you think, uh, were you aware of it? Uh, yeah, I was aware of it. And that, that that's where another thing that, that, that sort of the, the legend of that continues to grow. And, and I've had fun with it over the years. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, you know, I, I certainly didn't have a clicker out and count, but I was one of X amount of wrestlers that Vince, uh, and, and, and maybe that night, the only one he singled out. Uh, so I, I, I knew the, the business well enough, certainly at that stage of my career to know that ain't all a bad thing by any stretch, knowing that I was getting paid for another eight or nine months. It, regardless, he picked a name out of the hat and he picked mine 
to, to emphasize on in a vignette from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, so no, I, I never did. I, I mean, you know, I, I don't even want the right word, you know, offense or, or was I shocked? None of that. No, I, I was, uh, inside I was grinning going, okay, all right. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. But I, it had to be uh, definitely interesting going through your mind uh, when, because yeah, you were the only one that he singled out. So, um, so you start TNA uh, with your dad and Bob Ryder. Uh, you, there's so many rumors gone th- throughout the years of you know, how, God, you, if 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 you had a thousand dollars for every time that somebody on the internet uh, or social media reported that TNA was uh, was shutting down or about to shut down, you'd probably have you know. The nice wattage of uh, of thousand dollar bills in your pocket. Uh, so since you were on the inside, was there ever a point uh, up until you left and started Global Force Wrestling that you were actually worried that the thing may actually not go? Oh, the the the, the day we got the call from Hell South uh, until the day that we uh, were sitting in front of Bob Carter. Um, those were some very, very trying days without question, because, um, it was, uh, and I've, I've got the date written down somewhere, but I want to say it was, uh, May, uh, April, maybe April, um, of, of 2002, uh, is, is when Hell South agreed to come on board and be, be the finance. So, so from April till the, 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 the day I got the call, you know, the, the, the company was funded and well-funded, very well-funded. Um, you know, the line of credit was, it, 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 you know, uh, Richard and his team were going all in for it. Uh, I, I'll say, you know, you, you got to know him, but very, very uh, deep pockets. From, from, Hell, uh, and, from Hell South, you're saying? From Hell South, yes. Uh, but but when they called and, and they ran into their trouble and, and they, you know, got the call that no longer, were they no longer going to be funding, they couldn't fun that fun it was a thursday morning call and we just had a show on a wednesday night and um from that point till labor day weekend um when we closed the deal with bob carter those were some definitely trying times but when he came on board uh it wasn't all easy but but collectively us as a group we kept on kept on keeping on and um you know rowing in the same direction i i remember those days very fondly because you know, we certainly weren't making any money, but man, were we putting uh, out an effort and a product, and we were growing in ways that didn't always appear on camera or, or publicly. But we knew that the the seeds were being planted, and we were plowing the field, and we were moving the ball down the field. Uh, and, and and you know, did did we have a roadmap exactly where we were going? No, but we knew we were making growth. I mean, we had our first international deal early. Uh, in our organization's history. Um, so, you know, there were little spots of growth all along the way. Uh, was it all rosy? No, but it was certainly he- headed in that direction. So uh, I was, uh, as, as you know, and as most people know, if you listen to this podcast, I was a tour manager for Roddy Piper back in 2002 and tour bus went all over the country. Uh, we were actually based, as you know, in Nashville at the beginning and the end because we were using Billy Ray Cyrus's tour bus, so that's why we were based there. And I reached out to you sort of through Roddy, because uh, I knew you, and, and it ended up with a famous segment of Roddy walking into uh, into the building in Nashville and cutting a promo uh, on Russo 
at the end of the promo, the Harris brothers came in. Russo came in, and the Harris brothers came in. Roddy left, and Roddy always, not I don't want to say always, because I don't want to put words in his mouth. God bless him. Rest in peace. He, he, at that point, he thought he was double-crossed. What was the real story of how that went down? They went, uh, yeah, and, and don't don't hold me to exact. Um, and I'm glad that you know, uh, Global Force, uh, me and Roddy, um, you know, his movie was coming out. We were promoting it, and you know, we we aired the video to the arena uh, after his passing. Uh, but it, but we got a chance to to catch up on all that. Uh, but but if I remember correctly, uh, Vince and Vince went to the ring on his own, and Ron and Don went with him. Um, you know, I'll call it as his backup, but I think I know Ronnie and Donnie well enough to know that, that, that they, they came, uh, uh, for peacemaking, uh, at, at the end of the day. So you didn't know that, that, that those guys were going out? Absolutely not. No. Okay, good. I'm glad we settled that. Is it true? Cause I, this out of all these things that we're talking about as crazy as they are, Kent and Russo in the belt and, and, uh, you know, lip syncing and Millie Vanilli. Is it true that the reason why you and Toby Keith didn't buy TNA was because the final demand was that Dixie stay as a president on as a character as president of TNA? That is not true. That is not true. Not true. Thank God that's not true. Uh, any <laughs> re-ask that question because I I, I won't. Uh, again, this is almost like the holding up um, story. That I, w- I want you to ask that question again and listen to yourself asking it. Oh, no, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. But look, this is professional wrestling. You know, strange things happen in this crazy business. And and you know how egos are. It's not with that. It, it sounded crazy, but it wasn't out of the realm of possibility that that was the holdup. Uh, you know, so, 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 so what is the question asked? Just the question was, later. if the <laughs> ultimate reason that you and Toby Keith did not buy TNA was because Bob Carter demanded that Dixie Carter, his daughter, stay on as a character as president of TNA Wrestling, just as a character on television. God, you got to love this business. <laughs> no, I'm giving you the same answer. I just wanted you to ask that. Maybe <laughs> that was just for my entertainment purposes or others' entertainment, but just how ludicrous and... and, 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 and <laughs> no. That's not the reason. I just gained a lot more respect for Dixie Carter, by the way. By Good. you telling me that's not you. So care to care to, to tell people? Because everybody thinks that's, you know, everybody in kayfabe world thinks that's the reason. Care to tell people why it really never happened? No. My producer just took a, a, a flare dive head first. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've got a, I got respect for, for several people involved. Um, and 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 won't do any good to uh, uh, talk about th- those events. Uh, I, I certainly, uh, you know, it wasn't meant to be. Uh, that that's very obvious and, and very apparent. But man, um, the what ifs. Uh, it could have been a, a a really fun ride because uh, when you look at the history uh, of of Toby and his career and how successful uh, he's been and still continues to this day. Super, super successful. He's a great singer-songwriter, a great performer, but I, I think at the very top of his list is is an incredibly 
smart, visionary entertainment person. Uh, and, and I really, uh, I, I can't say enough good things, uh, about him personally. Uh, but, but, but obviously professionally, um, it, it would have been a very, very interesting ride. And you've told me that for years about Toby, because me and my wife are big Toby Keith fans uh, of his music. Uh, what, what is the, uh, could you tell us what the biggest, what if, if you would have been able to, to, to make the sale happen, what would have been, what would, could you give us a little hint of what you would have done you and Toby with the company? No, because like, uh, contrary to your belief, my Chris, I don't, uh, so, uh, I'll leave those uh, trade secrets uh, in the back of my head, Toby's head. Uh, but I can assure you that they they could still be relevant to this day. Um, and I know that that um, you know you, you just gotta uh, no no need for me to spill it all, all on these airwaves. Uh, but no, you you just sort of look at and and again, Toby's guy a guy that you know he's been not not just. Uh, selling records and downloads and everything is, you know, he's been on top for a long time and continues to have an incredibly successful career. And, you know, we're 25 years and that doesn't really happen uh, to very few guys in his line of work. And he's still at the very tip top. Uh, so when I say visionary, I, I, I mean that uh, probably much more than words can say. So I'll just say, I'll leave the what ifs uh, and, and uh, God willing, uh, they may become a reality one day. I'd love to see that happen. Uh, so I'm going to wind this down. I thank you for your time. I have a few more questions. I know, uh, I know you'll answer this question. Uh, I know that you have an agreement, or I believe you have an agreement with Fight TV to produce content. I know we're going to talk about Starcade in a minute. I know uh, Starcade, Starcast. My my bad. Uh, are you uh, at liberty to say any of the other uh, content that you're uh, maybe thinking of creating or having the the the, the plans? No, I, I, you know, that's on a uh, rollout basis. I, I, you know, we've got uh, some really cool stuff coming up October, November, December. Uh, we've got an event we're already talking about in first quarter of 2019. As a matter of fact, two events. Uh, one just came up uh, right on the tail end of my UK uh, uh, career, or career, my, my UK deal uh, tour. So we've got some really cool. And they are? I can't do. Do you, <laughs> do you think I'm going to have breaking news on 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 Dave Pinter's, uh Swerve podcast? Uh, so let me ask you, Jeff. Sitting out Swerve. Of two, out of the two, what were the two worst <laughs> ideas? Uh, and, and, and tell me why they were WCW ideas. As if I mean, you talk about you're too much, dude. You are too much. Hey, I know that you're. I know that you're the uh, AAA Mega Champion. Any any chance of uh uh, working with uh, AAA uh, and Fight TV as a team? Uh, well, you know, I'll respectfully say they are contractually um, at this time, um, you know, their their major events and their, their tidpole events, they've got to deal with Twitch. Uh, so certainly I'd love to work with them, uh, but they are contractually bound to, to Twitch. Who's to say uh, that we can't uh, something else come on uh, up down the line? We're, we're working on a lot of great things, but uh, – I've got a ton of respect for that organization, Dorian and his family. And, and over the years, obviously, I go way back to those guys. Uh, been working with them since the early, early days of TNA. So a lot of success with those guys and looking forward to uh, more success in the years to come. Yeah, I was just down in Tijuana and, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, uh, Conan invited me to a, to a AAA show. And they, they're 
They're on fire, man. Uh, I know you yep. know because you're the champion, but they're on fire. The only thing that was a little unnerving was uh, was uh, does does Laparka talk to you? Does Adolfo like? Does he say hi and talk to you? Because I got big league. Uh, I got big league by Laparka. He doesn't like you. Let's just uh, get that on the line. Uh, so. Obviously, obviously, I don't know what I ever did to him, but yeah, he big league me. It was like, uh, hey, how you doing? And he basically looked at me up and down and kept talking. And I said, you remember me? Who I am? Don't. Uh, Ring announcer for W. He's like, yeah. <laughs> he blew my ass off, man. No. Uh, and what a what a career that guy's had, man. I, I got a lot of respect for his uh, his ability, man. His he's over power, his his drawing power. Oh, un- unbelievable! And 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 I'll echo your sentiments. It, it at this stage in my career, Dave, you know me a long time. But for me to be the mega champion uh, of that organization, the number two wrestling organization. In the world, I mean, they're 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 enormous. You know, all through South America, uh, their own um, network down there and streaming services, and then the different countries they're breaking into Colombia and Chile and and, and other countries down there. Uh, they are they he got it going on big time, and he is over like a million bucks. I'll give him his credit. He walked. He's in the main event. He's the last one out, and uh, you know, huge. The place went absolutely nuts for him, uh, which pissed me off. Even no, I'm kidding. Uh, so let's talk about Starcast. Um, you know, I think when you hear when when I heard about what um, what Conrad was doing with Starcast on the All In weekend, I said to myself, "Man, you know, I wish I thought of that." And then I heard what you and Fight were doing, broadcasting all those those panels and all that, and I was like, "Darn, that's one I really wish I thought of." Not that I have the means to do it, but but you know, uh, great idea because you know, there's so many people who 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 are who want to hear the death of WCW panel or the Andy Kaufman panel and, and, and can't make it because not only because the thing sold out, but because, uh, uh, you know, they just can't make it for whatever reason. So talk a little bit about that. I know that there's a contest going on. I don't know if you want to promote it. I have it pulled up here and it's like, like a $10,000 value. I think it's uh, unbelievable. And, and I, my, you know, you got to give all the credit to Conrad and his team. Um, and I'm, you know, the, the deal and, and, you know, me and fight go back to, uh, Russell kingdom nine. Um, I I've had a working relationship. They used to be called flips media. They're the parent company still called flips. Yeah. And, we were, we were going to do something with them, not to bring up bad, uh, memories. Yeah. But, but, uh, you know, they, they, um, Mike Weber was consulting for, for global force and that's how he was introduced to the organization. Uh, and then, uh, you know, last year, uh, we had, uh, arm's length discussions and, and I've always, first and foremost, as you are well aware, I'm not a tech guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I am in tune enough to know when I see good technology and, and the fight technology, you know, flip it up on the big screen, transactional pay-per-view it's encrypted. You can't steal the signal. Uh, it's very clear the buffering. It's just great. Uh, and when the opportunity presented itself early this year, uh, they approached me and said, "Hey, we, you know, we're boxing, wrestling, and MMA. Uh, we sort of want to bring you on as as the wrestling guy uh, to to help market and 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 bring projects and and you know maybe basically sort of uh, get things headed in, in a in a streamline. And so you know our goal is to bring really really, uh, um, uh, gosh, you know, we we just want to bring the very best." Uh, wrestling content that, that we possibly can. I never really dreamed uh, in January that I'd be bringing for the first major event that, that Global Force uh, 
uh, and and fight sort of bring to market would be a podcast convention. Um, you know, we've got wrestling shows that are going to be coming up fourth quarter this year. But as things roll along, and Conrad and his team, and they got it on sale, and 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 just how red hot things are. But just then, and I'll just say from a, you know, uh, great WrestleMania cards or Halloween Havoc or whatever it is, you, you look at okay, what's the main event? Right? What's the semi main event? But when you look at Starcast over the four days. And you see empty arena panel. You see death of WCW. You see, you know, just the roast of Bruce Pritchard and and Xbox, uh, you know, 360. It, you just look at all the content that's on there, and, and the fan base that, that 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 you know, we're talking five decades of talent. I mean, you know, Kevin Sullivan as well as I do. But you know, Kevin goes back to to the 70s and. And you got Hall and Nash and Conan and 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 I could go on and on and on and on and on. Eric and 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 and, and Tony and Bruce. I mean, just I, I could literally talk about this forever. When I when I when I looked at it, and me and Fight and I presented to them, and then we approached Conrad, and as it all sort of fell in place, I'm like, this is really it's hard to do a first, you know, like I do. It's really hard to do something for the very first time. Right. Uh, and, and and wrapped around the all in pay-per-view hats off to that entire situation but it's really labor day weekend in chicago the wrestling world all eyes will be on chicago that weekend and i'm super sorry just super excited that we're we're bringing it to market and and fans can purchase this and you don't have to watch it if you've got something planned on labor day weekend you can watch it the following week it's you buy it it's you have it for a lifetime you can you can look at it and and start and stop and pause and watch one show at a time and all that, just the technology, uh, like a Netflix, you know, it's there for life. Uh, and, and all the content, it's really, uh, it's, it's, it's really a unique event and, and the value of it, you know, as, as, as all of us collectively, we're, we're trying to figure out how to price it. And, 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 you know, it's, a, it's a steal. I, I, I know that it's, you know, when you, on one hand you say, Oh gosh, it's, you know, $99, but over four days and 40 hours and you started doing the math and how all of it's going to work. And, you know, it is a business. So you have to figure out how things uh, are going to work out. It's, it's, it's incredible. It, it is. And I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm going to be honest with you. I, if, if I wasn't a part of it, if I wasn't going to be there, I'd buy the thing. I wouldn't watch it that weekend, but I'd watch it over the course of the next couple of weeks. Uh, for I, sure. I, I guarantee you. And Karen is in my kids too, but you know, the, we got Netflix, like everybody, you know, we got streaming services and they'll go through One Tree Hill or Gossip Girl or whatever their show is, House of Cards or you know, whatever, you know, they'll watch the series and, you know, that's what they watch. I mean, to, for, for someone like me and you, Dave, and we were both wrestling fans before we got in the business, this is like, okay, this is my content. This is what I'm going to watch for the next month. Or who knows, if I've got a free night, I may binge watch five of them. But it's certainly... The, my go-to programming that I'm going to watch over the next X amount of weeks because every show on there, when I look at it, I mean, uh, you know, Robbie E wide ended. That's the last thing that we're producing on that Sunday. That's going to be compelling when I hear things that he has lined up there and you know, the things we're kicking it off with. And then the, the four star summit or five star summit with Meltzer and Keller and Alvarez and, and, and Bruce Mitchell, all, all the stuff that they have. That's going to be compelling to sell. I mean, I literally could go on and on and on. Uh, and, and, and because, you know, all of us that are in this business, we've lived it for many, many years. You know, the 90s and the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars and, and then just everything. And, 
the TNA panel. And I've got some pretty good things lined up. And Dave, uh, you're going to be on the hot seat that day as well. Uh, so we're going to find out how did it really feel when Kurt Angle puts you in the eye. Don't answer. Save that for StarCast. Oh, we're going to keep uh, no. teasing that? And we tease that every time you're on this podcast. <laughs> so now, now you got to buy StarCast to hear. Okay. Hey, after uh, after StarCast, will you then come on like in three months and we could finally tell the story and give my listeners a payoff? Yes, absolutely. Okay. We're gonna keep. So uh, is it true that Don West, if you say yes to this, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to be very happy. Is it true that he's doing a promo to promote this ultimate Starcast experience? Well, first off, the ultimate Starcast experience, I didn't go back to that. When when Conrad and his his group and there's a there's a bunch of us that are working on all this, when when I really looked at at the value of what this dude is presenting, I went how in the heck? And he's like this and uh, anything, you know, two people are going to be flown and you realize this. Here's what's crazy. He keeps announcing stuff. He's sold out. I, 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 he just announced yesterday. He could call a match, a uh, new Japan match with, uh, uh, yes. Uh, now, that, that's, I, I, I can see his fact, Kevin Kelly. Uh, yeah, well, here's the deal. It's the just shows, incredible. Now, now, now here, the, the shows, the, there, there's, there's a ballroom uh, and a pavilion. The shows are sold out, but all the, I'll call them the add-ons, like you said, call a match. There's some meet and greets. There's certain things. There's some things to the general public. Those aren't sold out to my knowledge, but okay. there are some, but there, but I mean, there, there are, you know, that's what I'm saying is you, you're, you're adding that because here's the deal. More people are wanting to come in. Every room, every hotel room at the Schaumburg Height is sold out to uh, outside of, I think it's 10 to 12, 20 rooms to, a, to an airline that they contractually can't move. But every room in that hotel is sold out for the StarCast event. And so, and people are wanting to get in and the surrounding areas, uh, they're, you know, I'm telling you, it, it's, it's, it's like nothing. And I've been in this business a long time, but that giveaway, that they're giving two people. You realize two people from Tasmania could win this contest because yep. it's a worldwide contest. And Conrad, these guys, I said, dude, that could be a ten thousand uh, dollar a plane ticket. He said, well, that's what we signed up for. So uh, it, two people are going to get flown in, and they get first class treatment of everything available for the entire weekend. I think that's pretty cool. So yeah. yes, it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate star cat. Have they put a value on it? Where did you get ten thousand? I just guessed it, but I mean, you got three oh, nights yeah. stay in not only a hotel room but a suite. A uh, suite, yeah. So that's where I'll be hanging out because uh, I don't have a suite for sure. Uh, two front row ringside tickets to All In. Two tickets to every meet and greet. Two tickets for uh, an eat and greet every day. We had Conrad on and talked about how that was a unique situation where you and eleven other people could eat. With uh, uh, with you, Jeff, or with uh, yes. other wrestling yep. superstars, two platinum bracelets, the Starcast, two VIP after party tickets, and if that wasn't enough, a Starcast merch prize package. And knowing Conrad like I do, knowing you like I do, I'm sure that that you guys will take care of them and make these the these two winners feel like um, they. I was gonna say win the lottery. It sort of is the wrestling lottery. It, it is. The, it's definitely the Starcast lottery. But no. But yeah, we're we're gonna roll out the red carpet for them and. and we're excited. Fight super excited. Global force, uh, Stark. Just everybody's excited about the giveaway. And, and Conrad, again, give him all the credit. Um, but your question was the Don West video. Yes. So Don has agreed to be a part of the well, you know, the panel, and we've got some cool things coming up. He's going to be there and all that. But we're trying to twist his arm 
He says he's going to do one, but you got to remember, Don has a a full time, and it's not just a day job. He owns the airways out in Washington State. His sports talk show, four hours every day, Monday through Friday. It's the number one thing. He he crushes everything in the market. His show, and he runs it all. You know, you name it: the advertising, the personal appearances, the 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 calling. I mean, he that's him. Don operates in his in his world. Right. So to get him to do a video, um, he says he's going to, I'll believe it when I, when it's in my inbox, but I know if he does this, it's going to be, it's going to be entertaining to say the least. I put this on Twitter, but if, if, if that really comes to pass, I am going to sit down with a vodka and diet Sprite in my hand and I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy every moment of that because Don's one of my favorite people. And, uh, you know, it's funny because you, you know how me and Don and Mike used to sit around the, the, the boardroom in, the, in, in Universal, you know, t- kind of shoot the shit with different guys when we were at TNA uh, between, oh, yeah. like, the, 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 the Yeah, I, matter of fact, I, I worked and y'all sat around and talked, but go yeah. ahead. Yeah, you did, and, and, we, and we did. Uh, and, and I, I still, I still tell people that's probably the funnest time I ever had in the business because there was no pressure on me. I just came in ring announced, got to hang around with funny people and tell stories and shoot the shit with Cornette and, and Kevin Nash and different people and me and Don and Mike, I was like the junior member. So, uh, but I used to tell Don cause people used to tell Arn Anderson stories. I used to tell Don, Don, if you could only meet and have a, we could have like a conversation with Arn Anderson cause you know how funny Arn is. I'm like, oh, yeah. so and it used to be like my dream scenario. And then I see Arn Anderson's going to be at StarCast. And I see Don West is going to be at StarCast. So my goal at StarCast is to get these two. Maybe we could do it on your panel. You never know. Is to get these guys in a conversation because I think it would be hilarious. Um, it would It would be. You know, I got to see Arn over WrestleMania weekend. And that was the first time I'd seen Arn in a while. And it's like, it's you know, it, it's like we hadn't seen. It's like we had, had never not seen each other. We picked right up where we left sure. off. I, I love Arn, and, and, and I think we're seeing the same thing. Don West is a fantastic storyteller, and Arn Anderson is a fantastic storyteller. Absolutely. So that's my goal. So we'll see. I'll have to report back. Final question, and you've been very generous with your time. Uh, how does it make you feel? And I, I, I think I know the answer to your question, but I want to give you an opportunity to talk about it. When you see guys like Bobby Roode, when you see one of the main event matches for the world title at SummerSlam, AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe, a match that that you know you you had headlined pay per views and, and television with, uh, how, how how does that make you feel? It's funny you say that. ESPN uh, just called me two days ago, um, and that, I think the article comes out um, Friday, but the two days before SummerSlam. Um, and ask me sort of specifically that question. And then they ask again, and then they ask it a third different way. But they, they were trying to really, you know, I, as we say, get a little meat on the bone. But, you know, when I sit there and see it, um, it, it I cannot be any more happy for those guys sure. uh, because, you know, um, over the last, I'll say, 36 months or so, um, you know, oh, oh, my gosh, you know, TNA made this guy, TNA made that guy. In reality, and we both know this, uh, the AJ Styles, Eric Young, Bobby Roode, Samoa Joe, those guys made TNA. Yes, uh, and, and and I'll say from 2002 to, to 2009, those seven years in the building blocks, um, you know, off screen or behind the camera, they're the most rewarding seven years of my career. 
and, 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 you know, as it stands today, but I'm not done yet, but no, you know, I couldn't be happier uh, to see AJ and Joe uh, in, in the slot. They are uh, this Sunday for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, I, I mean, when I say that personally, I know their families, I know their wives, uh, I, I know their kids. I knew both of them, uh, you know, before they had kids. Right. Um, and, and now here they are family man providing for their families. It's very gratifying to see that. It's very gratifying to see, um, two guys that, that, you know, Joe came in and had that massive undefeated streak and, and AJ, uh, a lot of people second guess personally me, Jeff, why are you going with this guy and staying with this guy? Uh, just all those things. And, and now here they are and they get to step on that stage, man, I'm really, really happy for them, uh, because, um, uh, they, there's, there's no one that can look them in the eye and say they didn't work for it. Nothing was handed for them. Nothing was easy. Uh, they, they've earned everything they've got and, and, and they're sort of reaping, um, the, the benefits, uh, they're, they're bearing fruit, uh, of all the, so the seeds they sowed many years ago. And, and, and I, and I told this story the other day to the ESPN guy. The night A.J. Styles walked out in Orlando, Florida uh, at the Royal Rumble, and the whole arena was chanting his name. And he came off, I, I grant it, all due respect to New Japan, he you know, came off a phenomenal run, or a great run with New Japan. But, but, but that audience, for the most part, they knew A.J. from TNA. There's no doubt in my mind. So A.J.'s body of work in, in TNA was noticed. And, and the WWE universe, as they call it, they noticed. And sure. when he arrived and, and had that electric pop and, 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 and hasn't looked back, I, I, I know I felt good for AJ because AJ, uh, you know, he, he didn't leave TNA uh, on the best of circumstances. And, and I did everything I could to, to make it the best scenario for him. And, and I'm super excited for him. Uh, you know, he, 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 he is, uh, right where he uh, is supposed to be, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and all the guys have, but especially AJ has earned every everything uh, that that is all the success that's become him. I, I know that you remember I was with the XWF that never got off the ground. It was around the same time you guys were t- start thinking about starting something, and uh, we had AJ featured as well, and uh, so uh, I'm, not, I'm not taking any credit for it. You, 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 you gave him the opportunity, but... Uh, uh, I think we all agree he's an extremely talented wrestler, as is Joe and, and Bobby Roode and all those guys. Hey, I wasn't going to ask you this question, but it just popped in my mind. So one last question. Taking away nothing from, from any of your segments, is there a, could you think of a more entertaining segment in the history of TNA than Jay Lethal and Ric Flair? <laughs> um, I, still well, watch, I still watch that at least once a month, like yeah, at about yeah, one yeah. in the morning. And, and you know Jay has as 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 been a, a a rock star for Ring of Honor, but 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 from the day I met Jay, um, his uh, and I'll just the, the, the best way to explain it is uh, not only his charisma but his sports entertainment ability to entertain is magic, uh, and that's what that was. That was sports entertainment, and I know that there's a it's a different era and, and a different presentation. But Jay really has a gift. Uh, it, it, very entertaining. And, yes, I, I'll say that ranked right up there. I, it has to rank right up there. I, I'm not sure it's the top one. I, I would, uh, But it's certainly up there. there. There's no question. 
All right, Jeff. Hey, you've been great with your time, and I know that you're an extremely busy uh, person, and um, so happy to see. Uh, I was really happy to see you go in the uh, the WWE Hall of Fame. You came on, and we talked about that a little bit, and uh, and and I appreciate your time to do a longer interview, and looking forward to seeing you at, at Starcast. So, uh, uh, if you haven't already, go to Starcast.com. Uh, it's right on the front page. This Ultimate Starcast Experience, and uh, somebody's going to win it. So, you know, if somebody says, "Hey, yeah, I'm not going to win that," somebody's going to win it. So it could be you. And uh, if it is, then uh, uh, I'll be hanging out in your hotel suite about one in the morning most nights. So just letting you know. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff, very much. And I appreciate uh, you coming on and and talking about your career and and what you've done. And what what you're going to continue to do in professional wrestling. I I, I was about to circle back to the beginning. Even though you you took the jab at the beginning, I rolled with the punches and and didn't get swerved too much by your leading down the road of, of, uh, of bad journalism. And, but that's okay. That's been there for you. No, Dave, yeah, I'll get no, you, you, you know, if you had, you know, if you had a, if you had a hundred dollar bill for every time David Penzer said something stupid, the time you've known him, you probably have more money than if you had 10,000 for every time TNA was going to go out of business. So, there you go. Dave, great to hear your voice, man. Uh, I'll see you at Starcast. Looking that- forward to it. I want to once again thank Jeff Jarrett for his time and uh, always great talking to him. And uh, there's it's not going to be a conversation with David Penzer and Jeff Jarrett without him busting my balls. So I, I knew that was coming. And uh, just like with Stevie Ray and some of the other guys uh, that we have that relationship with, uh, it uh, I knew it was going to be that way. But uh, I thought we got into a lot of uh, interesting things. Amazed to hear that he never knew that uh, about my Booker T conversation. I'm amazed actually that never came up in our conversations. I'm sure I'll hear a mouthful about that next time I see him. But uh, interesting that he wasn't aware of that. I was not expecting that to be the answer to the question. And so happy that to hear that the reason why to- Toby and uh, Jeff didn't buy TNA is because they insisted on Dixie being a character on television. Uh, I, uh, I, I like Dixie and she always did right by me, but there's always a little asterisk by her name and, what I thought about her when I thought that was the truth. So uh, glad to hear that that is just a rumor. It's funny how rumors take a life of their own. And <laughs> I think Jeff's had a lot of those in his career. So that's why we wanted to get him on. And um, listen, hey, hit us up on social media. If you don't follow me on Twitter at David Penzer, uh, it's at Penzer Ringside. Uh, I'd love to talk to you about anything and everything professional wrestling. And uh Next week, we are scheduled to have Johnny Fairplay talk about an interesting life and career. Johnny Fairplay, so uh, talk a lot of wrestling, a little Survivor, and uh, what he's up to these days. So we might have a special guest uh, joining us as well later in that event. Uh, I have not confirmed that as of yet. And then the week after that is one that you're really going to want to mark down. Um, You know, sometimes the, the most amazing interviews are some of the guys that you, you don't expect them from. Not that I didn't expect an amazing interview, but really had a great interview that we taped ahead of time with uh, Jim Mitchell, uh, James Vandenberg from WCW, father Jim Mitchell in, in TNA. And um, fascinating, fascinating interview about his life and career and a lot of great stories. So uh, be sure to mark that down as well. And uh, uh, that will be uh, Labor Day weekend, that Monday of Labor Day. 
Uh, I will be, of course, at StarCast, and so we pre-taped that interview. But I'm really looking forward to having you guys listen to it. So that's the next couple of weeks of City Ringside. Uh, if you enjoy what you're listening to, please tell your friends and neighbors and shout it out and uh, tell people to subscribe. If they listen, if you listen on a platform where you can leave a review, uh, be sure to do that as well so we know how we are doing. Uh, once again, thanks to Jeff Jarrett. Looking forward to speaking to Johnny Fairplay. Until next week, my name is David Penzer, still sitting ringside. Take care. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. This is a Landry football with Chris Landry. Quick Fix on Radio Influence. This should not have happened. Only time something like this should happen is if a young man, after thorough evaluations, physicals, something wasn't uncovered, dropped dead of a, of a heart attack with no warning sign whatsoever. Sometimes we, we, you can't do everything. But in terms of heat exhaustion, in terms of anything related to that, that is the easiest thing in the world to notice and respond to. And they dropped the ball here. And dropping the ball is an awful way to phrase it. They were culpable in a young man's death because they were irresponsible. Okay, so the trainers didn't speak up if the coaches were pressuring them. Coaches' fault, trainers' fault, athletic directors' fault for not being aware, not being involved, not being on top of it. This is not just an abuse or a situation. This is a young man died as a result of we're going to show how we're going to coach and we're going we're gonna to make this tough. That is despicable. And it shows you, as I've always said, there are a lot of people in this profession as a longtime coach that don't know how to coach. They don't know how to deal with people. Chris Landry brings you Landry football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and, of course, RadioInfluence.com.